Let's go live. We talk jazz, utes, cougars, and Aggies, even on the weekend. The weekend. You're locked on to the Saturday show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Welcome back to the Saturday show here on the Zone Sports Network. Hour two officially underway. Utah Jazz media availability rolling along here. Donovan Mitchell just wrapped up. We'll get that for you at some point here before we get uh, well, before we get off air. And uh, Quinn Snyder and Trent Forrest are expected to speak to the media. And Trent Forrest is an interesting case here, Lundy, obviously, because he's still a two-way player. But it sure seems like he is going to be a part of this rotation for the Utah Jazz. Right, yeah. Like, the Jazz have really been putting some good emphasis on on him. And he's made progress as mm-hmm. as they've, you know, I mean, we saw glimpses of him last year in preseason where he looked pretty good. And then, you know, when the actual competition started, he saw less playtime. And when he did get on the floor, it was like, okay, yeah, he still has a ways to go. But it really does seem like, like you said, that, this coaching staff, this organization, has a plan for him in the future, and they're really focusing on his development. Well, and the thing about him is he was ahead of, I think, where most people expected he would even be last year when he came in. Right. He was not, and he didn't look overwhelmed, let's put it that way, Mm -hmm. especially on the defensive side. And defense at the NBA level, as we have seen very clearly, is something a lot of guys take time to adapt to. And Trent Forrest, he he wasn't elite by any stretch of the imagination, but he held his own. And that's the thing about that. If you can if you can hold up defensively, a guy like Quinn Snyder is going to be like, okay, yeah, we, we can work with you on this. Yeah. I mean, you know, and he said it last year. I've brought it up before. Uh, but George Niang, who's obviously no longer with the team, mentioned that with this coaching staff, you know, when he was in Trent Forrest's position, mm-hmm. um, Alex Jensen took him to the side and said, do you want to find a, you know, a rotation on this roster, like a rotational spot. Yeah. He said, yeah, absolutely. And he said, okay, then there's two things that we need you to do. Hit corner threes and play defense. And if you can do those things, you'll get in the rotation. We saw for a long time, George Niang was, you know, a pretty major piece of that. And so I would imagine that it's something pretty similar with Trent Forrest. Obviously his skill set's a little different. um, So they might not be asking him exactly the same types of things. They could be, but I mean, that defense is a, a big piece of what the Jazz do. It's a big piece of their identity in the Quinn Snyder system. And so, yeah, like you said, you know, if if he can play defense at this level and hold his own and not look lost, then this coaching staff is going to see promise, and they're going to put a lot of time and investment into developing him and making him a a big piece of this team. Uh, The thing about it is we all know that if you can play defense and hit corner threes in the NBA, you can make a very, very nice living. Yes. (laughs) So uh, it's very interesting. And, uh, we're hoping to hear from Trent Forrest. I am interested to hear him kind of where he thinks he's at now as he goes into his second season in the NBA. And like, it was actually in some ways. And by the way, Lenny, I was stunned when he resigned on a two-way contract. I thought there was going to be some team out there that was going to say, "Okay, there's something with that young man. Let's bring him in." But uh, maybe his agent was smart enough to say, "Hey, you got some things going there in Salt Lake. Sit, sit, sit there and and learn." Yeah, sit tight for a little bit. You know, continue to develop maybe pick up a ring along the way and then go then go secure your bag 
That would be the dream right there. There's no doubt about that. So we'll keep you updated on that. Uh, We were also going to talk a little college football in this segment, but with Jazz, we were kind of floating to see where uh, Jazz uh, media availability was going to start. So once they get going, we will have more for you guys. Um, And one uh, thing here on the football front, Lenny, let's just kind of talk a little bit about what happened with BYU and Utah State last night. Cougars, obviously, ranked number 13 in the country, go to Logan, and they win 34-20. We talked about this a little bit earlier on in today's show about how impressive BYU is, especially in the ground game. Yeah. I mean, BYU, they've already exceeded my expectations for this season. Not to say that like I thought they would be bad or anything like that, but I expected a step back from last year. And, boy, they have certainly just carried that momentum forward. They, you know, we, we had talked preseason about, okay, here's what the ex- expectations are and things like that, and... You know, we had both talked about, look, if BYU can follow up last year with a solid season this year, it proves that last year wasn't a fluke, and it proves that BYU has kind of arrived. And solid in that context we were talking about was like 8-4, and 9-3. and three. Right, and now they're 5-0. and oh. Yeah. Like, <laughs> this team is, you know, they're really building an impressive front, and we've seen that already start to manifest in some of the recruiting. We've seen some pretty high-profile recruits, I mean, just – the combination of, you know, back-to-back good years, the consistent start this year where they're looking really good, and the promise for Power 5 play in the future with the Big 12 invitation having come, BYU has a very bright future ahead of them. Yeah, Cody Hagan, Corner Canyon stud wide receiver, four-star prospect, wanted by seemingly everybody out there, by the way. USC, Oregon, uh, Stanford was thought to be in the lead for him for a long time. Well, he decided, you know what, I want to stay close to home, and I commits to BYU. And I, I, if I've read some of the comments correctly, he actually pointed to the fact that, yes, by the time he comes home off of his mission, he's expected to go on an LDS mission, he's going to come home and be right into the Big 12. He's going to be playing Power 5 football, and he also, I think there's some thought to him. It's something that Zach Wilson talked about. Kwani Satake, when he was recruiting Zach Wilson, told him, hey, you can play high-level football here, but you also can drive home on Sunday for dinner. There, there's something to be said for that, like to be able to be close to, enough to home to go visit your parents whenever you want, essentially. Yeah, it's man, it, it's really impressive what they're doing. I think probably my biggest question for BYU's future is will they be able to retain Kalani Sataki after this year? Well, and that's a, obviously a huge question mark out there because when you've won now 16 of your last 17 games, it doesn't take genius to pay attention and say, hey, what's this coach doing over here? Maybe we should look at him. Right. There's a lot of talent. And, and there's, there's a lot of talent. There's a lot of high-profile jobs that are coming open. Yeah. I mean, look no further than... Los Angeles with USC. That's I was gonna say USC's. Are, we've already heard his name. Speaking of Kalani Sitake, attached to that job in LA, and we all know that USC they have ambitions of being a true national contender every single season, and they have the cachet. Obviously, it's it's LA biggest media market outside of New York. It's just they they've done so many things that you say, okay, this uh, should be a job that everybody wants, but. At the same time, you have to be have the right guy there too. Right. It, 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 I know that sounds weird because you think it's in LA. They got a hotbed of talent they can recruit from. Anybody should be able to do that job. Well, people have proven that they can't do that job. Right. I mean, look at the past ten years of USC history, and there's been, I mean, you know, Lane Kiffin, Steve Sarkeesian, you know, guys that have been successful in other places. 
have crashed and burned at USC. And crashing and burning at USC is like a seven and five season. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, USC had a five and seven season in the recent past. And, uh, you know, that was that's that's something that's kind of unthinkable. USC missing a bowl game due to performance and not sanctions uh-huh. is unheard of. With the talent that they literally they, they can walk into most kids' houses in the greater LA area. You can go to you want to extend it to San Diego, go ahead. They can walk into any kid's house and say, Son, we're with USC. We'd love for you to come play for this program. And by and large, those kids are gonna be like, Yes, sir. Yeah. No, ma- no matter the talent level, I mean, it feels like. The saying is, you know, that I've heard regularly is USC doesn't recruit, they select. You know who that comes from? At least one person? Because he said on our airways. Norm Chow. Yeah. His exact words were, uh, we evaluate, no, he said, we evaluate talent. We don't offer. We evaluate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just like, and that's the brand that USC is, even when they're bad. <laughs> like, they roll out of bed in the morning uh-huh. with NFL talent three deep at mm-hmm. their receiver spot. Oh, yeah. It's just, and so it's one of those things that if they, you know, like, well, not if, but because you'd imagine they have to call Kalani. They have to. If he accepts that, it you know, from my perspective, I actually think he would be a great fit for them. Whether yeah. or not it would pan out, I don't know because we you know there's been a lot of people where it's like you know you'd think that they would pan out, sure, and then they don't. But from my perspective, Kalani has that personality that I think he could do very well there where he can win the players in the locker room over. He can let them play loose, you mm-hmm. know. I mean, we've seen him bring that swagger to BYU where, you know, they're they're not quite as rigid as they, like, they have fun, you know. I mean, the dancing on the sideline, that's the kind of thing that, you, you know, yeah. USC and their Hollywood brand mm-hmm. would be all about. It's the entertainment capital of the world. They want entertainment. Right. And on top of that, like, it's not just that, you know, they're having fun on the sideline and they're, you know, doing all, you know, they're, you know, going viral on the Internet because there's a bunch of white guys dancing poorly on the sideline. Like, it's good football. He teaches good, fundamental, sound football and, you know, toughness and execution. His players do that for him because he's a good coach and they have that great relationship. He could do that at USC. He's already proven that he's a good recruiter. USC doesn't even really need a good recruiter, but you add all of that together, I think that a Kalani Sataki to USC move would be just massive. You know, the Pac-12 would suddenly become a lot less competitive because USC would own it and I think you'd see USC really emerge on the national front. Now, who knows? Yeah, You know, that could be very wrong because USC has also just seemingly been cursed for the past, you know, ever since the whole Reggie Bush thing. All right. Well, it sounds like Quinn Snyder is sitting down momentarily. Eric's. All right, well, maybe Eric, maybe we'll get to Quinn Snyder, uh, but we'll. It's one of those things, man. With these Zoom sessions, we're kind of just at the mercy of whatever they decide. And to do. literally, they can sit down and be like, "Oh, wait, hold on, I got to go get a thing," and they literally walk away, and you're like, <laughs> "Coach," <laughs> it's just one of those things. So, uh, so one final thought on that here, at Lundy, is USC. We all know they want to win the press conference in addition to winning national titles. Right. That to me, and this is just. 
my take on this is that that means that Kalani Satake is not going to be at the top of their list because mm-hmm. he's not the national big name that USC would love to win the press conference with. But I can tell you this much. Kalani Satake would do a fantastic job. You give him that Southern California recruiting base where he can just go out and say, I want you, 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 and you. And they're all like, yeah, let's do, let's do this thing. And what he's proven, what he can do at BYU with two- and three-star talent and developing that, you give him four- and five-star talent, it seems like the sky would be the limit. Yeah. Like, I, I really do think that it would be a fantastic move if it were to happen. Um, I would be very, very sad to see him leave this state. Sure. Because um, one of the things about Kalani is he loves his players up. He also loves everybody he talks to. He makes you think he's your best friend. He would be great with, and there's so many celebrities down there in L.A. that want to be associated with USC. Kalani would be a hit with those folks. Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, it would be a loss to the entire state of Utah. Mm -hmm. But, man, USC, like, you know, if, if I'm the athletic director there, I'm basically calling Kalani and saying, how much do you want? Well, they can afford it. There's no yeah. doubt about that. Like, Mike, Mike Bone is the AD down there. All right, let's throw it over to Utah Jazz Zions Bank Basketball Center. Quinn Snyder sitting down with the media right here on the Zone Sports Network. Hey, Coach, I just want to get your thoughts on just the Zoom today. What was it like? Did you enjoy the experience? And is it something you maybe you see moving forward that can become maybe a regular thing? You have to define regular thing. Um, but I think it was, you know, hopefully um, – both for, for you guys and particularly for um, the, the jazz fans that, that don't have an opportunity to, to see, you know, behind the curtain, so to speak. It, it gives you a little bit of an idea of, of what's going on. Uh, every year, uh, every team, and really every practice is structured a little bit differently. Those are things that, um, to the extent that you, try to plan and prepare. Uh, there's also adaptability that I think goes into it. So one of the things that happened today and that I've been curious about is t- to what extent uh, where, where, where we are on the continuum of our ability to, to, to execute, you know, real time. So t- to be able to kind of transfer some of that responsibility to the players, I think is good. And, you know, that that happened. You know, I, I think that's something that probably jumped out where we had a lot of guys. We gave them some some parameters within which to work. Um, and we were able to touch some things from a drill standpoint. I don't know how much how much of that, you know, that happened either before or during uh, when we kind of went live on the telecast. I, I wanted people to see us play more. I thought that would be more interesting than, you know, watching, you know, three on two, two on one or some of the more basic drill things that, but we did cover some, you know, handoff defense, pick and roll defense, some of our staples. Um, and then we're able to get into some playing situations where we really wanted the guys uh, to manufacture things. I think that's where our team is um, where, you know, for lack of a, you know, maybe the analogy would be, you know, to have a quarterback on the line of scrimmage audible, and sometimes those guys see things real time and, you know, we don't have the, you know, the 30 seconds in the huddle to make those adjustments. So to get guys comfortable with that and really to get us all on the same page is a good thing. And it's something that we want to start working on right away. Eric Walton, Salt Lake Tribune. 
Thank you. So you touched on this a little bit, but I just wanted to kind of follow up. I guess how much was today's session like kind of modified from what you might normally do, knowing that there are, you know, a bunch of people watching, uh, you know, a- able to look in and see and observe what's going on and uh, follow up to that. Was there any trepidation on your part, knowing that you were mic'd up for a little bit? No, on both, really, I, I think. Or I should say on, on the first one, I, I think what people were able to see, if you were to compare it to what we did last year at this point in time, um, you, you'd see some differences. Um, but, but this year, I think particularly given the time that we spent in Las Vegas, we wanted to get get to it and, and playing and, you know, me having an opportunity to coach those situations um, as far as the mic, you know, again, you know, every year is a little bit different. I can, I can remember, you know, I do remember the one and a half hour shoot arounds, but we didn't have Mike Conley then, and we didn't have Rudy Gay, and we didn't have Donovan Mitchell and his, you know, becoming a veteran player. And so there, there's so much that you adjust to based on your personnel. And um, so we, we did get to some things in terms of, we played a lot. And that's something that I think this team needs to do to improve and to be able for, for them to make adjustments and to really to communicate. Sometimes the more that I am, you know, my voice is dominant. Um, it doesn't allow for them to do that. Um, so I'm able to pick my spots more and intervene and, and interject and, and coach, you know, when that appropriate window takes place as opposed to blowing the whistle after one possession you know, and making a point, you know, you're just, you're you're trying to find the value there. And some of the younger guys, even though they may not be quite on the same page, what what you saw today, I think is some of the older guys coaching them. And and really that's when a team becomes unique is really when there's that much ownership from the players and, you know, corporate knowledge where where they they can, they can teach each other and coach each other on the move because that's really what the game's like. Next, we'll go to uh, Tom Orsborne, San Antonio Express News. When uh, Rudy left a big imprint here on the young guys with his, uh, with his example and his leadership, I know it's early, but are, are you already seeing some of that uh, with your group? And, and what are your expectations for him? Well, you know, right now he's, he's not able to, to participate in contact. Um, which almost, you know, feeds your point. I, I think even with that, um, you know, his voice can be um, a strong one and a productive one. And, you know, I told him, you know, as we finished the practice, you know, if he had something to add and he told Rudy Gobert, you got to dunk that. Um, so that, that coming from me or Alex Jensen, you know, or Mike Conley certainly has some value, but I think from, Rudy, given his experience and the respect that he has, you know, around the league and particularly on our team, you know, that can be really valuable. And, and, you know, I think it's something he enjoys. I mean, I I think when you have that, you know, breadth and depth of knowledge about the league, you know, that's a part of a role that he can provide at this point that can really be invaluable. Thank you. Next, Ben Anderson, kslsports.com. And we haven't really seen you talk through the, a practice like this before. This was unique for us, too. Do you feel like you still see the game as a point guard? Or how much different is it as a coach? You know, or do you always see it through that lens because that's how you learned it? Um, I, I definitely 
you know, I'd like to think there's parts of it that you still see. Um, part, part of being a point guard is seeing the game through everybody's lens. I think that's, you know, truly, you know, what, what good point guards are able to do. And I'm not suggesting I'm a good point guard, but um, it's my job to not just see it through that lens. I think to be able to put your, you know, yourself in other players' shoes um, is incredibly important. So, you know, I'm not just watching the ball. I think that's one thing that you'll find when people watch the game. It's, it's very e easy, you know, to focus on the ball and then where the ball goes. But oftentimes the things that are impacting a player are off the ball. So, um, you know, I can be more vocal. Uh, I can be less vocal. I, I don't think today that was pretty natural for me. Um, you know, it's we're mic'd during, during the season and, you know, we're sure always that they cut the cut it in the truck. So I'm not sure how much you guys heard or didn't hear. And it's probably some off color things that may have come out that hopefully get cut out. But um, by and large, th this group allows me, um, you know, to coach in a very productive, um, direct and kind of intentional way. And, you know, there, there's certainly time for emotion and there's time where you challenge players. But I, I really believe that those things come uh, through repetition. You know, I, I think if you jump a player for a certain thing right away, it, it may be relevant, but it may be something that they've already recognized and will correct, you know, on the next play. So I think you have to be patient and get to know your team, get to know your players. And particularly if you're playing a different way, um, if you're running a different play, um, if there's different combinations, you have to kind of let those things breathe. Um, before you make really strong assessments about the things you want to address. So um, what you saw today is kind of the real thing. It's what we do. Great. I think that's everyone for today. Appreciate it, Coach. You bet. Thanks, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks, Quinn. There you go, Quinn Snyder, Utah Jazz head coach. Some interesting thoughts there. It was unique. If you had tuned into that Zoom session, he was mic'd up. I saw tweets rolling through about him just really getting insight in how he coaches. And you heard him talk about the fact that this group, the way they kind of they're comprised, he actually allows him to do the things he wants to do. And that maybe coach speak to a degree, but still it's really cool all the same. Yeah, you know, I was I was very interested and impressed by what he said kind of there at the end, where it's like, look, if you're gonna yell at a guy for a mistake that he made, it might be relevant, mm -hmm. but it also might be something that that player already identified and is going to correct on their own um you know i'm sure that you've experienced this also but you know a lot of coaches when you're coming up you know the, a lot of the coaches that aren't as successful as quinn snyder are yeah. the ones that'll get on you for things it's like yeah i i already understand that i messed that up but they're in your face screaming and all of that kind of stuff you know and i mean we've seen even kind of some discussion around it with uh you know some of the college football coaches Sure. You know, there was that video that came out earlier this week of a coach on the sideline yelling at one of his players for something. And a lot of people were saying, oh, this is great. You know, like this is exactly what you want to see. And other people going, oh, I, mm, I, don't, I don't know if I think that this is cool. <laughs> um, Quinn Snyder just showed why he's an excellent leader yeah. because he recognizes the difference between when you should do that and when you shouldn't. You know, if you get in a player's face at like the wrong way at the wrong time that's counterintuitive where he knows he's he's able to recognize it sounds like 
okay, this player understands that they did something wrong. So I'm not going to really hyper-focus on this. And it, I think we both just kind of got a little bit distracted. We're watching Cincinnati and Notre Dame in here, and Cincinnati just got another turnover. Um, so, you know, they're already up 7-0 on Notre Dame and just got a fumble recovery. Anyway, back to Quinn Snyder and his coaching, because that's kind of the topic at hand. Like, I think that understanding the difference of when to do that, because we have seen Quinn Snyder, you know, do that kind of coaching where he he gets animated, he gets fierce, he gets explosive. We've also, I mean, there's, when was it? I'm trying to remember exactly who, but, you know, he took a timeout at the end of a game that proved pivotal. Yeah. And somebody asked what he said, and they said he didn't. He didn't say anything. He just sat there and stared at us angrily the whole time. <laughs> and, you know, I think that's a prime example of, you know, he calls the timeout. Yeah. He, he gives the, the classic Quinn Snyder glare. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't say anything because he knows that the players know. It's what I call the Bond villain is what I call that stare because <laughs> that's exactly what it is. All right, well, we got to get to a timeout here. Good to hear from Coach Snyder. We'll see if we can fit in some more of the Utah Jazz media availability as the show progresses. You're listening to The Saturday Show right here on the Zone Sports Network. Whether you're stuck at the mall, in the yard, or making a quick trip to the home improvement store, We've got your back. It's gonna be May. This is the Saturday Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Welcome back to the Saturday Show here on the Zone Sports Network. Hope you all are doing great out there, wherever you might be on this Saturday afternoon. It's been a fun show so far, Lundy, really. It's been, it's been a lot of fun. We've been bouncing from thing to thing to thing, really, but it's just it's been rolling right along at the same time. So hope you all are doing great. Let's get into what we typically do in this segment. It's our five minutes of, and let's talk a little sake. Fire it, Eric. David swoops in. What a move. Out in front. Nobody home. In back of Zach Hyman. Willie Arby. McDavid. What a goal. Zach Hyman. And what a pass by Connor McDavid. 3 nothing. Edmonton. Chaparenko. It's overrun. Turned over quickly. Sula intercepted. Muller is fed. Lewandowski. The world's deadliest hitman, Lewandowski, Robert Lewandowski. Do not give him chances like that, because he will bury them. Now walking the line, Chalaski. Jonas Donskoy, Chalaski again. This way, McCann, a shot. He scores! Short side, Stinger, Jared McCann. Power play goal, the Kraken of Titan. Krylock over the top for Anderson Julio. Anderson Julio. Oh, good touch to separate from the defenders. What a goal! What a tremendous, tremendous strike! Anderson Julio! 90 plus 5! Phenomenal go-ahead goal! Again. Bit of space here for Messi, and Hakimi is wide of him. Mbappe's inside of him. Messi's in a little bit of space. He's in a
lot of crazy things happening in both the soccer and hockey world. So, Lundy, let's start off here in soccer talking about what's happening with the NHL. And obviously, preseason underway. What uh, should we take away from any of this? Well, I mean, you know, it's it's hard to take too much away from preseason, but, you know, it, it's fun nonetheless. Um, Seattle Kraken, you know, they, they've they been a lot of fun. You're, you're, your new ice, NHL yeah. team. Um, you know, opening their preseason up with a, a 5-3 win over the Canucks. Um, currently 3-1 and one in the preseason. That, that one loss coming to my Oilers uh, up in Edmonton, 6-0 to zero there. But they avenged that loss with an overtime win last night, 2-1. to one. Um, So, you know, the Oilers currently 2-1-1 one and one in the preseason with that one overtime loss and then a, just an outright loss to the Jets. Pretty inconsistent still from the Oilers, um, kind of what I've come to expect. Their two wins, they combined for uh, 10 goals to zero in those two. They won 4-0 against the Flames, 6-0 against the Kraken. Okay. So, But then their two losses against the Jets, they lost 5-1. to one. Oh, wow. Okay. And then 2-1 to one in overtime against the Kraken. So hot and cold, right? You know, the same story there. Um other teams of local relevance, Vegas Golden Knights, two and two so far in the preseason. Uh, losses to the Kings and the Sharks. The, the Kings' loss was actually here in Salt Lake, uh, three to one in that one. Uh, but they've they've beaten the Avalanche and they beat the Kings again. You know, okay. like beat that follow up game, uh, beat the Kings four to zero. And then, speaking of the Avalanche, Eric's team, you know. And that that's pretty locally relevant, you know, just kind of our neighbors to the east. Uh, they're currently one and one in the preseason, playing fewer preseason games than some of these other teams. They lost to Vegas four to three, uh, and they've beaten the Minnesota Wild six to four. They play their final preseason game is at at Minnesota. Is there not a regulated number of preseason games for NHL clubs? It it varies. Okay. I mean, most of these teams have five. All right. I just you know, wondered. I, I just wondered, like, if it's something you just kind of determine for your individual club. It seems that it's kind of that way in a, in a sense. So, interesting times, and it's fun. Like, I I know I latched on with the Kraken, but it's just fun to see them actually take the ice. The Kraken are going to be fun, I think, this year. It's going to be like I, I expect Kraken. I was texting my friend during the the first game, which mm-hmm. I I tuned in to watch because I was interested. I think that you and other fans here that are going to be cheering for the Kraken. It's going to probably be frustrating, but it's going to be a lot of fun. Sure. Like they're, they're a fun team to watch. They're not going to win every game. You know, like there's going to be some games that you probably feel like they dropped and there's inexcusable. I mean, and I know what that's like being an Oilers fan, but it, it's going to be, I think, a very fun season. Yeah, for for Seattle Kraken fans, it seems like I'm just looking at the preseason. What I've seen from it, they're going to be a very much all gas, no breaks type of team. Yeah. It just seems that way. That's but. that's what it looks like early, at least. All right, a quick couple quick notes here on the soccer front. Uh, Real Salt Lake is actually just underway. It's an afternoon match down in uh, Austin, Texas. They're making their first visit to Austin as a club. Obviously, Austin FC joining MLS this past uh, just this year, actually. Excuse me, earlier this season. Uh, so we'll see how they do in that match. It'll be interesting to see where things shake out on that. Eric, you... so yeah, so we'll uh, so 
interested to see how Rassel Lake does because Austin has not been good this year. They're their expansion club. It's kind of what happens. You, you take your lumps, it seems like, early on. There have been some clubs who have come out flying out of the gates, sure, but by and large, most of them struggle. I'd expect that Rassel Lake has an opportunity to pick up three points on the road there at Q2 Stadium in Austin, Texas. By the way, Austin, one of the coolest color schemes in soccer. Bright lime green and black, that is a great color scheme to work with. So, Interesting. Yeah, so good stuff. All right, uh, we are going to take our penultimate timeout here on the show. We'll come back, we'll fit in our uh, picks then, and we'll wrap up today's show. So you're listening to the Saturday show right here on the Zone Sports Network. Jazz, Utes, Cougars, and Aggies, even on the weekend. The weekend. You're locked on to the Saturday show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Welcome back to the Saturday show here on The Zone Sports Network. Our final segment of today's show. And Eric, no roast of somebody or something to close it out? I was going to say something. Uh, You know, it's been a tough week. I feel like we need some positive vibes. So this is me sending out positive vibes to both of you. Jake, you're looking good. You you. refused a donut this morning. You're keeping, (laughs) you're holding strict to your your diet. Alex, I saw you pounding your C4 as soon as I walked in, in the door this morning. I know that you're going to die at 50 so that's <laughs> that's locked in and, and good to go and we're just we're on track we're all we're all in our rhythm it's been tough but we're gonna get through it we're gonna make it after all baby. we are gonna make it there's no doubt about that all right let's get to some picks here and eric did you put our did you update the sheet for us or did we are we doing this off the cuff here i i have some picks i'll okay. I'll, uh, I'll i'll uh i'll run through them here okay fire um, away let's get to them real quick here okay so let's do this one first baylor at oklahoma state two ranked teams in the big 12. big game no doubt about it lundy where are you going um i'm going okay state i'm gonna take them to cover the game's in stillwater right it's at oklahoma yes. state i got a feeling about baylor give me the bears yeah give me baylor too uh Auburn LSU, the big SEC game tonight. Ooh, that's a good one. Where are you, where are you leaning, Lundy? Oh, I'm picking the Tigers. <laughs> nice, <laughs> nice. Uh, I'm taking Auburn over LSU. Yeah, I just, I don't think LSU. Some of that magic's gone. It seems. Yeah, like. I, I, I don't quite get it with them. Are you I going keep, with LSU as well? I keep thinking that LSU is going to be better than they are, but they never are. So I'm taking Auburn. Okay, I'll take LSU just to be a different. Uh. Let's move to the Pac-12, Arizona State, UCLA. Give me the Bruins. Yeah, same. UCLA has looked really good. Jaden Daniels has kind of a, wow, this is Jaden Daniels game in him. I'll take ASU. Okay. And then this one, a big one. I am uh, I'm happy that finally, after years of saying, hey, maybe this is a year Oregon State's good. This might actually be the year Oregon State is good. Mm. So... Oregon State in Corvallis against Washington, a Washington game team that's struggling. I'm, I'm taking the Beavers. Washington's recovered a little bit here after that obviously embarrassing loss to Montana. Where are <laughs> yeah. you going, Lundy? I'm taking the Beavers as well. I think they have one of the more fun offenses in the Pac-12 to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, Oregon State. Bow down to the dogs. Purple rain, baby. 
Some NFL stuff. Dallas and Carolina, you can catch that game tomorrow, 10 a.m., mm-hmm. uh, 11 a.m., pardon me, on the Zone Sports Network. It's an Dallas, intri- Carolina. Yeah, it's an tri- intriguing game there. I, there's something about the Cowboys right now. They seem to be on fire, so give me Dallas. As much as it pains my 49ers soul to do that. <laughs> I'm taking Carolina in this one. Okay. I'll take the Cowboys, too. Seahawks, Niners. You know where I'm going. <laughs> <laughs> be. I'm agreeing I, with you, actually. I'm taking the Niners over the yeah, Seahawks. Yeah, I can't get a read on either one of these teams. The Seahawks offense continues to disappear at weird moments. The Seahawks will fight, fall two games and behind in the race if they lose this game. That scares me. So I'm taking the Niners as well. Okay. Raiders, Char- Raiders Chargers. You can catch that game here on the Zone Sports Network Monday night. I'm taking the Raiders. It's an intriguing game. Give me the Chargers. I'm taking the bolts as well. Okay. Chargers. Okay. Right. I think that this Is that it? Raiders offense. Uh, one more. Okay. Really the biggest game of the week. Tom Brady the return. returns to Foxborough. Okay, here's the thing. There's, it's been so hyped up. He's going to – They're going to blow him out. The Buccaneers are just going to trounce. It's not going to be close. Yeah. It's, sorry. I, it's cool he's going back there, but his team is going to go in there and just absolutely no, obliterate. Knowing I would give that response, I threw in a bonus game. Uh-huh. Rams, Cardinals, two 3-0 teams, NFC West matchup. This is intriguing. Obviously, both these teams off to pretty good starts. Uh, give me the Rams, though. Yeah. I mean, I've been impressed with Ky- Kyler Murray so far, but uh, mm-hmm. I'm taking the Rams as well. Yeah, I've really trashed uh, Cliff Kingsbury to no end, so it would feel weird if I took the Cardinals. But I think they might win. All right. So I'll take the Cardinals. All right, there you go. There's one guy I'm just going to tell you about, Aaron Donald. That's all i got to say. He's a guy. <laughs> all yep, right. He exists. All right, well, that's going to do it. Uh, we'll see how we do next week. And, of course, we'll be back next week and talking all things sports. In the meantime, make sure you tune in throughout the week to DJ and PK, Hans and Scott, and all the rest of the programming here on the Zone Sports Network, getting you ready for another weekend of college football upcoming. Plenty of coverage for you guys, and hope you all are doing fantastic out there. This has been the Saturday show for, uh, what, October 2nd? Wow, it's just weird to say it's October. But nonetheless, have a great day, folks, right here on the Zone Sports Network. See you.